think it's safe to say the maze trials were a complete success. It's too soon to say, but they could be the key to everything. It's time now to begin phase two. Welcome to the Scorch! The world outside's hanging on by a very thin thread. Beyond this door lies the beginning of your new lives. Hey, Thomas, we weren't the only maze. What do you remember about Wicked? I remember they sent me to the maze. I remember watching my friends die in front of me. Don't you want to understand? Understand what? Why this all happened. I just need to know. Whose side are you on? They're hiding something. Come on, you don't know that. They lied to us. We never escaped. It's all just been part of their plan. What do they want from us? Thomas! The maze is one thing. The two kids wouldn't last one day out in the scorch. Welcome back to the Coffee Clats crew. I'm Jason Pistorino. I'm Christina Lomangino. And today we are reviewing our first movie. Yeah, exciting. Yes, Maze Runner, The Scorch Trials. We didn't do this for the first Maze Runner movie, so we'll just talk about that a little bit as it relates to this one. But we've always wanted to talk about the series since I've read the book. Just a little bit of quick background on the movie. For The Scorch Trials, the director was Wes Ball. The screenplay was written by T.S. Nolan. For those of you who don't know, it is an American dystopian science fiction action thriller film based on James Dashner's novel The Scorch Trials, the second in the Maze Runner trilogy. The basic plot of The Scorch Trials takes place immediately after the previous installment, with Thomas, who's played by Dylan O'Brien, and his fellow Gladers battling a powerful organization called Wicked. Wicked stands for World in Catastrophe Kill Zone Experiment Department. While facing the perils of the Scorch, a desolate landscape filled with dangerous obstacles. The filming took place in Albuquerque, New Mexico. As of September 25th, the Scorch trials had grossed $41.8 million in North America and a worldwide total of $124.2 million against a budget of $61 million. So I guess you could say they made out pretty good, huh? Uh, pretty good, but <laughs> in comparison to other book movies... It's not doing that well. Harry Potter, of course, kills it. Uh, it probably beats Percy Jackson, but... Oh, it definitely has to. But I'm wondering if it's in the same category or near something like the Divergent series. Hmm. It definitely got mixed reviews from the critics. Rotten Tomatoes gave it a rating of 50%. And the critical consensus states, it's an action-packed sequel at the cost of the story urgency, and mystery that the original offered. Some called it an improvement over its predecessor, commanding its action sequences and performances. Others criticized it for its lack of plot and character advancement. I could definitely see that, especially if yeah. you're a book reader. There was a lot of holes. There were some in the first one that I guess we thought they would make up for here, and it just sort of got worse <laughs> with the plot points that they decided to leave out and then they called in some things from the third book that I'm not sure why they laid it out that way and James Dashner is already talking about that ripple effect that we hear about from George R.R. R. Martin with the Game of Thrones adaptation oh yeah and you know that definitely that review echoes everything I was going to say uh, but we'll get into that further uh, while watching it I mean should I get into how I felt or yeah we can talk about it while watching it, I was very excited because I love these kinds of movies. We both do. Yeah. Um, and that's the trend right now where there's children in these dystopian environments. Mm -hmm. And they have to overcome, again, Harry Potter, uh, Hunger Games, Percy Jackson kind of, but they're in their, our environment. Yeah, but Divergent. Divergent. And there's always something special about them too, right? Yeah. That's kind of helping them to encounter this world. Yeah, and I guess it... it kind of plays into us when we were kids we always wanted to have some kind of special power we mm -hmm. wish we had something special 
So that's probably part of the reason why I really like that. This one, I don't know. Maybe I was expecting it to be too similar to Maze Runner. I didn't read the books. You did. Mm-hmm. Um, I at times felt like it. maybe it ran a little too long, mm-hmm. which is surprising for me to say because I always wish that these other movies were longer. Hmm. Uh, Harry Potter, I read the books and I was like, if they just add a half hour yeah. so they can explain this this part that they totally skipped over, it would be so much better. But this one, I don't know. I mean, I'll get further into certain sections. Yeah, that I, like, I think what you're expressing is really not even the length that's a problem because the length would have been good had they included some of these things I'm going right. to tell you about in the differences. It was the fact that it was long, but it kept going over the same points of escaping from Wicked. And that central thesis of having to get away from the bad guys mm-hmm. is really the crux of the third book, which is leaving a lot of us confused about how are they going to adapt the third movie. Now, they've said their reason for bringing this material in is so that they don't have to split the third book into two movies. They haven't wanted to do that from the beginning. Okay. And that it's all going to make sense once we see the third movie, that they have a plan for all of this. I'm not quite sure how I feel about that. I guess we'll have to wait and see. The third book, The Death Cure, is supposed to be adapted into a movie in February of 2017. Wow, that's a long time from now. It's a long wait, and that's partially because they will be coming out with the next book, The Fever Code. That's set to be released in fall of 2016. For those of you who don't know, The Maze Runner had three main books, The Maze Runner, The Scorch Trials, and The Death Cure. Then there was The Kill Order, That was a prequel to this series, but set much further back. None of the characters that we're used to were in this book. It was really at the downfall of civilization when it all happened with all new characters. It was very interesting, but it left a lot of people wondering, well, what about right before Maze Runner, though? What about all the stuff they've alluded to with Thomas and Teresa? So apparently he has set to put that book out. Um, the prequel right before the Maze Runner, the Fever Code, and that's going to be told mostly from Thomas's point of view. So there's three books. Three books, then a prequel, and then now prequel. Okay. another prequel coming out. Got it. Well, there's definitely not going to be the same actors if that. They're not going to do a movie off of that. Those kids will be adults. I don't think they'll. Well, the Kill Order is a whole different group of um, people. Oh, okay. So maybe if they couldn't do the Fever Code. Because those kids are too old, they would decide to go with Kill Order, right. a whole new set. But I think that depends on the success of the next movie. Now, uh, I forgot to say this at the top of the episode, but uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched Maze Runner, The Scorch Trials, pause this, go watch the movie, make your notes, <laughs> and uh, then listen to us. And of course, email us at contact at coffeeclatchcrew.com and tell us your thoughts. And in our next podcast, we'll, uh, we'll just... uh, relay what you said we're also going to spoil some things from the books because as we go over the plot i'm going to be reviewing the differences from movie to book so if you don't want any of that spoiled maybe wait on listening to this as well uh we're going to compare why i think some of the things are not as good in the movie because they failed to include these major points from the book now let me ask you this chris maze runner i i I really enjoyed that movie, and I know it was very low budget, but they hit it well because we watched the extras mm-hmm. for that because I got it on Blu-ray, and they they pulled off a lot with a little money. Yeah, and it was excellent. Now this one, the Scorch Trials, you know, they end Maze Runner saying um, to us, not to the kids, mm-hmm. that they passed the first test. Yep, and it only gets harder from here, and there's another test which this name, The Scorched Trials, yep. alludes to that. But this movie, it wasn't a test. It had nothing to do with them being tested, as far as it seems, unless this was all part of the plan, but I don't see that. Well, that was their epic fail, and I'll, I'll talk about that as we go through the synopsis, but the book was, in fact, this was their second set of trials. This was the next part of the Maze Runner trials, which would be the Scorch Trial, sending them out into the real world and seeing how they react to that. I am not at all sure why they decided to change it. In the movie, they just escape from the Wicked Compound and are sort of out in the world of their own doing instead of being placed out there as an additional experiment. 
And that would have been an easy enough thing to alter for the movie. I don't know why they decided to go that route, unless you're going to find out in the third movie that they just don't know it yet, and they'll tell them, oh, by the way, everything you thought you were doing at a free will was really planned as part oh, of your trial. And I could cool. see that being possible. Now, before we jump into that, let's talk about our main characters so you can all get it squared away in your head. We have Thomas, who is played by Dylan O'Brien. He's a teenage boy who was a runner in the Glade. He discovers he had some part of building Wicked and the maze and that there's something different about him. And in the books, he can speak telepathically with Teresa. That's an element they took out in the movies. Oh, that's, see, that's magic. That's a little bit of magic I would have enjoyed. Definitely. So Teresa Agnes, played by Kaya Scodelario, is Thomas's best friend before the Glade. She spends much of the time in the novel with Group B, who she becomes the leader of. She is also under the control of Wicked at the time, which makes it difficult for Thomas to trust her. Here's another big difference. In the books, there was only two groups of children, not many as we're led to believe at the beginning of the second movie. It was Group A and Group B. Group A, Thomas's group, had all boys and one girl, Teresa, and Group B had all girls and one boy, Eris. Now, these groups, you're referring to groups of kids that were in their own mazes. Yep. And this one, there was a plethora of mazes, it seemed yep. like. And in, in the books, there were only two, and they were seemingly identical mazes, just flipping the gender. Um, so the way that Thomas could communicate telepathically with Teresa, because they were like special partners, Eris had his own partner, Rachel, who he could communicate telepathically with. And I don't think we even see her at all. In the movies, if we do, they definitely don't have that kind of special power with each other. Next, you have Newt, who's played by Thomas Brody Sangster. I think a lot of people still remember him from his role as a child in Love Actually. He is the leader of the Gladers after Albie dies in the first book. So the guy we come to love in the first movie is our leader, Albie. When he dies, Newt kind of steps up into that role because everybody really likes him. He walks with a slight limp, and Thomas and Minho all become best friends. It's like the group of three. Minho, played by Ki Hong Lee, is the head runner in the Glade. He's sort of snarky and a smart aleck, which gets him into trouble, and yet we like him anyway because he's very fierce and able to fight well and run well. Newly introduced in the Scorch Trials, we have Brenda, who's played by Rosa Salazar. She is a girl from Canada. In the books, by the way, both Brenda and her friend Jorge both supposedly have the flair, though they are in early stages. And I don't think that was the case in the movie that we find out they have the flair. So Thomas becomes acquainted with Brenda and her friend Jorge in this movie. Jorge is played by Giancarlo Esposito. He presents himself as leader of the cranks. We also get a special introduction from Jansen, in the books, he's called the Rat Man. We'll talk more about him, but he's played by Aiden Gillen. Most people will recognize him from Game of Game Thrones. Game of Thrones. Where he plays Littlefinger. He actually plays pretty much the same role. He speaks the same. <laughs> it's the same cadence. Yeah, I kind of wish he would have gone a little more book style on his Rat Man character that we read about in the Scorch Trials. I think it would have been more interesting. I could see what they were trying to do, though. If it works, go with it. Yeah, make him kind of suave and charming, even though he's the bad guy. We also meet Eris, played by Jacob Laughland. As I explained, he was the boy from Group B who could speak telepathically with his friend Rachel. We also find out early on he can speak telepathically with Thomas and Teresa. So the three of them seem to have this bond that they can't remember from before the trial started. Something is different and special about them. These kids, can they speak telepathically because they were in the in the maze or just these children have these special powers that was... No, it was something given to them and we'll find out hopefully... Well, I guess you won't find out more about that in the movies. You will find out more of it in book three if you have yet to read okay. the Maze Runner book three. There were a couple of other characters that we don't get to know very well. There was a girl named Sonia played by Catherine McNamara. Now, all of these people in the books, they were the equivalent of people in Group A. So, Sonia was the equivalent of Newt, but in Group B. There was Harriet, played by Natalie Emanuel. She was Albie's equivalent in Group B. And Rachel, as we discussed. And then the last two were Frypan, played by Dexter Darden. He was the cook for the Gladers in the first movie. 
and Winston, played by Alexander Flores, the keeper of the slicers in the Glade. And they do sort of play a bigger role in this next movie. You ever get the feeling the whole world's against you? Three questions. Where did you come from? Where are you going? How can I profit? Don't all answer at once. I head for the mountains. Looking for the right arm. <laughs> You're looking for ghosts, you mean? Question number two. Where did you come from? That's our business. Hey, get the hell off me! Get the hell off me, man! Shut up, you big baby. What is that? You were right. Right about what? What is she talking about? I'm sorry, Romano. Looks like you're tagged. You came from Wicked. Which means... You're very valuable. Alright, let's talk about our plot. The movie begins with Thomas, taken in by Ava Page and her organization of Wicked after being dropped off by his guardian for his own safety. Years later, shortly after being rescued from the maze trials, Thomas and the remaining gladers, Newt, Minho, Teresa, Frypan, and Winston, are all taken to this facility run by a Mr. Jansen. He explains that the place is a safe place, protecting them from the flare virus and the cranks. He provides them clothes and food, other survivors of multiple mazes are also there. Thomas becomes curious about what's going on. He wants to find out what's really happening behind closed doors. So with the help of Eris, they find out that Wicked's leader, Ava, is still alive, and Mr. Jansen is working for them. They discuss the experiment on the immunes, and Jansen has yet to find the right arm, a resistance group located in the mountains. When they find that out, the group, including Eris, escapes from the facility as Jansen orders the Wicked troops to track them down, where they find themselves in the deserted outside world called the Scorch. Here's where I can tell you the huge differences from the books. I was probably most disappointed in how they strayed in the first 25 minutes of the movie. I'll tell you how the book happens. It starts in the middle of the night where Thomas wakes up and can't get back to sleep. He tries to contact Teresa telepathically, but fails to connect with her. He wakes up to see everyone panicking about the cranks, which are people infected with the flare outside the doors of this compound. Thomas and the rest go to investigate, finding a room where they'd eaten the night before with the people who had rescued them. That door is now locked. They ram the door down and turn on the lights to find the rescuer's dead bodies hanging from the ceiling. They enter Teresa's room, but it's empty except for a boy that just came out of the bathroom named Eris, who's from Group B. They find out he can talk telepathically as well. Outside of the room is a plaque that says, Teresa, Group A, Subject A1, The Betrayer. An alarm similar to the one in the Glade goes off and the room door locks until it stops. Thomas opens the door to find that now there are no dead bodies and the plaque outside the door has been changed to Eris, Group B, Subject B1, The Partner. After they leave the room, they find a man sitting in the middle of the room as a hologram, which they dub the Rat Man. That's our first introduction, introduction to Mr. Jansen. He tells them they have to make their way through the Scorch, a burnt-out section of land. It's not an escape, it's their next trial. And as an incentive, he informs them they all have the flare. And they will only reach a cure if they get to their destination, the safe haven on time. Shortly after he leaves, the gladers all discover tattoos on the backs of their necks. Newt says the glue, Minho's says the leader, and Thomas says to be killed by Group B. At this point, they decide they have to do... Whoa. 
Yeah, they have to do the trial. So they enter what's called a flat trans. It's a transportation that immediately takes them somewhere else. They come out in a pitch black tunnel. Now, this is the scene that was just written amazingly. They wander about in this complete darkness for about an hour. They start to hear strange whispers telling them to go back or they'll be killed. At this point, two boys actually get killed by these molten steel balls that are dropping from the ceilings. They cover the people's heads and then decapitate them and roll away. It's like a glue that sucks its way over their whole head and then takes their head off. It's crazy scary, and it's all happening in total dark. They can't tell what's going on. Um, Our friend Winston gets attacked and badly injured, but Thomas manages to save him, but his whole face is messed up for the rest of the book. They finally reach the door to the outside scorch, but they hesitate to go out there because the heat is so intense in the daytime that it burns your skin on contact. So they're either stuck in this dark tunnel with these new technological monsters or going out into this desert filled with cranks where they're going to burn on impact. So they have to take these sheets and put them over their bodies so they're even able to walk outside. And then they just start traveling through this desert looking for their next trial, basically. See, that's way more exciting than what we have here, which is just the kids have to escape from Wicked and they're Mm -hmm. running from Wicked the whole time. And it's basically just this... Fighting the man. Yes. Hide and seek two hours of movie. Mm-hmm. This one is like, there's different types of bad guys. Yep. And they're pinned up against each other. If Teresa's part B. Yep. Group B. Group and B, these and Thomas labels. Is labeled as going to be killed by group B. Yep. Oh, and it's so much more intriguing. Not only that, but we've been thinking of either Thomas as the leader or Newt because he's kind of taking control. And now these tags put on Minho as the leader and Newt as the glue. So it kind of disrupts the whole order that these kids have been having amongst themselves. Mm-hmm. Even that they, though they know it's from Wicked and they should think of it as bullshit and just continue on, they, it can't, it doesn't stop them from being able to think about that. And right. is this really what they're supposed to be? And um, now Teresa has disappeared in the beginning of book one, replaced by this guy, Eris. So she doesn't go through all this next part with them. She's off somewhere else that Thomas has no idea and he keeps trying to talk to her telepathically. The few times he's able to connect with her, she's acting crazy and telling him to go away and basically like she hates him and he has no idea what's going on there. Hmm. They don't know about this guy, Eris, if they really can trust him or not. Um, They have this showdown with these steel balls, which reminded me of, you know, sort of a different version of the Grievers from the first Maze Runner, which I liked, those weird technological enemies that they weren't quite sure how to fight. Right. And the biggest thing was the fact that they were told that they all were infected with the flare, even these kids, and that they had to get to the safe haven to survive. That was a huge extra incentive that the movie could have played off of very well for us. Yeah. So next, going back to the movie, our group arrives at an abandoned marketplace after they escape from the Wicked Compound. They just sort of go into this first building they can find, and they have their first encounter with the Cranks, who are humans zombified by the flare virus. Winston gets infected by one of them in the process, and when morning comes, they find the city has turned into ruins, and Wicked is searching for them. Winston's infection gets worse, forcing the rest of the group to leave him alone and to die by shooting himself, preventing his transformation. The group continues to venture the desert until one night, while sleeping in the middle, Thomas awakens and discovers civilization. As the thunderstorm emerges, they run to an abandoned facility to keep from the storm. Minho gets struck by lightning, but he survives. They manage to enter the place, only to find the facility they've entered is filled with chained cranks. This is when the group meets Brenda and Jorge, who lead them into a dangerous band of survivors. When the two find out the group has come from Wicked, and that they're looking for the right arm, they agree to lead them, abandoning their group of survivors in hopes of a cure. Moments later, Wicked, led by Jansen, storms the place, only for the facility to be destroyed by Jorge's explosives, while Thomas and Brenda are left behind. All right. So first of all, I was disappointed that this whole new kind of movie, these new, this new idea I've never heard of, mm-hmm. we're, we're with the zombies again. Mm. Now, don't get me wrong. We're going to do our podcast on Fear the Walking Dead, and yeah. then our next long podcast series is going to be Walking Dead yep. this season coming up. So it's not that I don't like zombies. I love zombies. But I just didn't want another one, especially yet being part of Maze Runner. Yeah. And these cranks, they remind me of, 
I Am Legend zombies. They're faster. They, they're definitely, they seem smarter. I don't know. I can't tell if it's a hunger like Walking Dead or they just need have a, a need to kill. Mm. They are scarier, especially when we go into that nest, when they go into the... Uh, yeah, that's a little later when we find them in the, the tunnels. Yeah. Yeah, that was terrifying. But I see what you mean because they didn't adapt them the way they were in the books. So yet again, in the books, they weren't just your typical zombie. They were people. And they all sort of looked like people to one degree or another in the beginning when they first got the flare. You wouldn't notice any difference from them to somebody else. When they started to progress a little further, you would see somebody like Marcus, the guy we meet later, who has these weird tics and he says strange things, but he's right. still pretty much human. Then they would start to really degenerate and go crazy because this disease affects your mind and they wouldn't be rational anymore. They would just be repeating things that made no sense. And finally, they would just totally degenerate into something other. Yeah. Um, but... I think having the levels portrayed in the movie would have been great for you because you wouldn't have had that feeling. They allude to it a little bit mm -hmm. where she said when they go down in there and he's like, should we go down there? And she says they're most likely going to be fully transformed or fully something. Yeah. Past the gone is what they call it in the books. In the books. So I did know that there was stages just like they progressively got worse. And you saw that they were nesting there yeah. and they were very ugly looking much more dangerous, less zombie-like, more monster-like. But uh, I don't know. I just thought it'd be a more imaginative bad guy. But they were still cool visually when they had to fight him and they climb up the buildings. and. Yeah, for what they were, I liked them. If, if I separated out the book and just thought about the movie, which I was forced to do very early on, I actually enjoyed, like you said, that they weren't these slow, shambling type of skeletons. They were people. And people that have been driven crazy and bloodthirsty. And that was even scarier to me because they could run. They could climb. They were after you and they weren't going to stop. But this whole idea about them biting you and getting sick is yeah. your very old school zombie thing. And that wasn't the case in the books. In the books, you either had the flare or you didn't. It wasn't like somebody that bit you was going to give you the flare. This is what I hate about movies nowadays. They, they just go back to the same mechanisms that worked in the past and they just replay it and replay it. And for no reason. They have very good original ideas here that they could have used. I think that's, that is to be blamed on the big companies, like the big studios hmm. who are investing the money and they're like, we have these tried and true things. And they think we're stupid and we need to be spoon fed. Well, the, play, the, play to the masses, yeah, right? Yeah, the age old tropes, basically. Yeah. Who, the, the guy that you said when they go into the nightclub. Mm. Who was the guy that's like half crank? Oh, Marcus. Yeah, we'll get to him in a little bit. There's more about him. Okay. But I, I thought the mall scene was cool. Seeing how, you know, getting our first glimpse of a city that is deteriorated and basically because of the environment and the weather, everything is like a desert, mm -hmm. sand swept. People are forced underground, which is scary in and of itself to have to be out of the daylight. And they have built almost this bohemian marketplace yeah. in the mall where everybody has their own little stalls and living places. They've um, sort of makeshift come up with their own power grid that they were using there at some point. And the unaware tripping of, you know, by turning on the lights, they would come after you and they right. didn't know that. And then the flee from the mall. I thought that was all very well done. Um, well, you know, what I really enjoyed about it was the kids actually fought back and they weren't stupid mm. with, and we'll get in the next podcast deeper into this, with uh, Fear of the Walking Dead. It's like humans are just stupid. These guys drooling. His eyes are yep. bright red. He's like, he looks like a zombie and he's obviously dangerous and they like let them walk up on them and they just try to like touch their shoulders like and reason with them <laughs> marcus marcus it's it it's me jason and that's okay? what we hate about those right yeah. so i loved here that it's that like fun. oh this person looks scary something's wrong with them kill them or yes that's exactly yeah. what you should do they knew how to close doors they didn't just like leave it open and run through a door yep. Although we have to give them credit that from the time they were very young, they've been living in this maze type of environment where the only way to survive was by being smart and efficient the way they have grown to be. Good runners. Um, but still, we find out along the way the reason they were even selected to be part of these experiments is that they all are very smart. And in fact, their names, and I don't know if 
it's too soon to tell you this, but it's not a big spoiler. Their names are uh, false names and given to them based on famous um, intelligent people throughout history. So Newt's name was taken from Isaac Newton. Oh, so and he's the smart one. They Well, they all are. All of their names are taken from famous smart people throughout history. Even Thomas? Yeah. Thomas Edison or something? I think so. I can't remember. But, but he wasn't, quote unquote, in the system. He wasn't part of the trial. He was until he decided to go in, right? Um, yes, but he was still st- selected to be in the experiment, okay. just not in the maze initially. All right. Um, and because he was so smart, uh, we gather that's why he wasn't put in initially. But yeah, answers to that will, will come in the next book. I also enjoyed when they were walking through the city, you know, after leaving the mall the next day, seeing all of the broken down bridges and the landscape. These are the things we talked about in the first one where we watched behind the scenes of Maze Runner, that they wanted to do more with the CGI and the mazes in the background, but were cut short because of money. And here I felt like we got a lot of wide open scenes where we could see the whole dilapidated city and big bridges caved in and big skyscrapers crumbling down. It was very effective visuals um, of this desert world. Yeah, visuals are great. The lightning storm was really intense. that That was crazy, yeah. Um, and then making their way into this building where the, you know, the crank village had set up and they were people that were still sort of with it, but you could tell that it was affecting them. They were keeping these cranks like guard dogs outside of their place. Um, and you didn't quite know what the group was getting themselves into. Do you think we scorched the world like is this something that we did as humans did we just totally destroy the environment Mm. and that's why there's these huge electrical storms uh obviously there's no no growth there's no uh plants Mm -hmm. of any kind or animals it Mm -hmm. seems just sand well i was gonna say some things that we learn um shortly after this in the book at the end of this scene where thomas and brenda are left alone to escape by themselves In the books, they do pretty much the same thing, and they are trying to escape. They're walking through these tunnels and then into the city on their own. Um, Thomas is continuing to have dream memories, which are confusing them. They're seeing signs everywhere around the city that say, Thomas, you are the real leader, which also starts messing with him. Thomas learns that the outside world, since the downfall, um, the virus has spread, and also solar flares have destroyed a good part of the Earth. And we don't know why, and like you say, we don't know if that's connected to each other. But any area between the two tropics is basically a wasteland. And they are currently located somewhere near Mexico. Anything close to the equator has turned into this because it was so hot to begin with. Now it's just scorched. And apparently the government had tried to screen and separate to quarantine the sick in the beginning because there were varying levels of cranks. They were trying to separate the newly infected from those past the gone. There was also something else very interesting going on. In the book, there was a drug that the government had created called the Bliss, which would slow but not stop the virus. We come to find out that the virus lives in the brain. It causes people to go mad. This drug would slow brain activity, numb your thoughts and emotions where um, the virus would live off of. But unfortunately, like with a lot of other things, only the rich could have access to that. So as Thomas is walking around, he's seeing these things. People in various stages of the flare, people that are doped out on the bliss. Um, You're just coming to learn more about the world and what's happened. And we're not getting that. We're getting a very small view in the movie of Thomas and his experiences. Mm. I was kind of hoping for a little more of that from the book but they lived up to expectations even though it happened a little different in thomas and brenda's escape Mm -hmm. after the explosions where they have to go through the tunnels yes and they encounter the cranks and they're that was scary i enjoyed that 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 was a really great action sequence and they get out and now there's these like the buildings have fallen Mm. they're climbing up and i'm like oh there's no way they would climb up to that and then I was thinking, oh, I'm still in the Walking Dead rules. Because you know, <laughs> they, they would can't. just stand there and they'd be like, yeah. these ran up. They looked super fast, yeah. agile for it, dead things. It was scary. <laughs> and it, w- were they nesting? I wonder what they were doing down there. 
Were those webs or a mixture of like mucusy? To me, it almost looked like they were growing into the ground, like they were bit, tree yeah. roots a little bit. They were having to rip themselves free of the wall. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like from being down there in the darkness, they were turning into a part of the environment or something. And the only thing they were living for was to wake up and feed off of rats or whatever wandered their way. Or were they cocooning to turn into something even worse? Oh, that, yeah, that's something I didn't think about. I really enjoyed the sequence where Brenda falls down. Mm. Essentially down to the bottom part of this slanted building, which is all glass walls. Yep. And she's trying to get up um, and the glass starts breaking and then the crank dives down there. Mm. What did that remind you of, by the way? Uh, I don't know. Did that remind you of the scene in Jurassic Park where the camper flips upside down on the oh, cliff yeah. and the girl falls onto the grass oh, yeah. and glass and it's cracking? Yeah. That's what I thought about the whole time. But what I don't understand is she was starting to stand up and the glass was cracking a lot mm. to the point where she couldn't move. And then this crank falls down onto it and it doesn't break yet. And then he's... he's violently moving on it and it hasn't broken yet i didn't get that either until thomas came to save her and he was standing on the next pane and when he went to hit the glass i was like shit he's gonna fall through too but only the pane the two of them Associated were on with, yeah cracked out so i think when he fell the crank he fell on a another pane next to her that that's what i was surmising okay. anyway because the same thought process went through my mind the following is a public service announcement. Listen up if you don't want to become a crank. Alright, Clatchers, we are here to help you stop the spread of the flare. To do this, you need to know the symptoms. Early warning signs. Changes in personality, irritability, unprovoked anger, indifference, depression. Decreased cognitive abilities, difficulty in making decisions, learning new tasks, loss of short-term memory, problems with balance, involuntary facial movements. And there's a seven-day incubation period. So even if you're not feeling these, chances are you have the flare. And we can help. CKC Podcast has the immunity serum. And we have struck a deal with Amazon.com to make it available to the whole world. All you have to do is go to coffeeclatchcrew.com, click on the Amazon banner, and pick up the serum there. You need to act fast. We currently only have a handful of children that we can suck the serum from. We're working on getting more, but we need to get more bullets and more guns. We ordered those on Amazon. We're waiting for those shipments in the mail. So click quickly. Go to coffeeclasscrew.com, click on the Amazon banner, and get those immunity serums. Also, keep in mind that the local stores will be closing due to flare, and the only way to buy clothing, food, toys is Amazon.com. You must use our banner. While you wait for your shipment, you must be aware of the advanced warning signs. Muscle spasms, disorganized and or aggressive speech, auditory hallucinations, severe paranoia, dementia, sudden aggression, and self-mutilation. I can't stress how important it is to stop the spread of the flare. So you need to let your friends know. And you do that by telling them about our podcast and having them subscribe on iTunes. Don't get crazy. And Ryan Gemmel, we have a serum here for you. You can come pick it up. After they managed to escape the cranks in the movie, you find out that Brenda was infected from being bitten by that one crank. Thomas experiences a flashback of when he and Teresa were working for Wicked, in which Thomas tries to warn Teresa of Wicked's plans, only for the two to be separated by the troops. This is the part where they come upon Marcus and his party group. This was a whole other kind of environment when they got into this portion of the city, and they were kind of out in the daylight, and they had made their shops on, you know, what looked like old stores on the side of the street. Yeah. And they were in this sort of in-between where they weren't fully alive and human, but they were kind of functioning in the daylight. And you only realized how odd they were the more you interacted with them. I thought they were just high. It wasn't until later when you told me that they were infected and it's just slowly uh, transforming. So, And what you explained to me, which maybe uh, our listeners don't know, Mm -hmm. is that everyone was infected just being alive. And that's why these, these children are so important because they are immune to it. Right, so everyone has the virus within them. It's just, is it affecting their bodies or not? And for some reason, these children aren't being infected. They're immune. 
it's a gradual change mm -hmm. like you said earlier there's different stages yeah. but I guess if you're cut or bit by them it's drastic in the movie they're using that that didn't happen in the books okay you know you could see some of those symptoms in Marcus where his hands and his mouth were always moving and he would laugh at inappropriate times and he just sort of looked really weird and I guess as you say the casual watcher could have taken that for these people were just drugged and well I thought they were on drugs gone a little crazy because this world sucks so like they're just living through drugs you know and they're just psycho I don't think I'd be the most sane person if <laughs> I had nothing to live for in my mind there. I was thinking that these people could be on the bliss that numbing agent I was describing before mm -hmm. and in the books, um, pretty much they this is all they would do. They were trying to, you know, detach from the reality of what was happening in real life. Just have this ongoing party from now until well, yeah. they died. I mean, we go home after a long week's work and we try to drink to just kind of forget how life can be shitty sometimes. But if life is just straight up really bad, I'd probably be stoned all the time too and just dancing if I couldn't I didn't have job responsibilities because there is no money anymore you know I'd probably be a little weird too but this actor we know this guy and he did amazing oh the guy that plays Marcus yeah yeah we know him from A Knight's Tale it's called a last hello mm -hmm. completely different character he's kind of a goofy funny character in A Knight's Tale as opposed to now where he's this crazy manic and his name is Marcus, that's right, yep. Yeah, he played it so well. In the books, uh, Thomas calls him Blondie. Mm -hmm. And he knows straight off that he's the leader of the group. There's also other interpersonal things happening in the books. Because since they left the compound and he's been separated by Teresa and he's thinking something is up with her, he, d he can't trust her, something weird is going on, he hasn't seen her. He's also been growing closer to Brenda and this whole time period where they're alone together is a bit longer. And she's been telling him her story. He's been steadily growing to trust and rely upon her. Yeah, they kind of alluded to that in a short form. Right. So the scene in, in the party is where that really culminates, where yes. she tries to kiss him and he tells her, you could never be her, right. alluding to Teresa. And that was really a, a breaking point between the two of them. But overshadowed by the fact that everything goes down here at this party... And eventually they reunite with the other group and the Gladers. And Jorge interrogates Marcus very severely. We come to find out he's a survivor who secretly works for Wicked. And they interrogate him into revealing the whereabouts of the right arm. We find out he knows more than we thought he did. What's the <coughs> significance of the right arm? What does that mean? Their name? Yeah. I'm not sure if the name itself has meaning, they really were, they weren't introduced until the third book. Oh, that's we what We didn't hear about them. Oh, I wish they stuck to the books then. Yeah. These tattoos on their necks, we do realize that, uh, so they do have tattoos, but it's different from the book. Um, they all have the same symbol, which mm -hmm. is the wicked symbol. Yep. We notice that Teresa's is darker. Mm. And I guess we learn later. I don't know if you want to jump to that. I can't wait to tell you how much I hate her. Yeah, well, again, that, that was so different because the, the tattoos they got in the books were to indicate what part of the experiment here in the Scorch Trials they were meant to play. Mm -hmm. Another difference, after the party in the book, they flee these strangers, Thomas and Brenda, and then they reunite with the other group. While fleeing... The man that Thomas calls Blondie, or Marcus, shoots Thomas in the left shoulder with what we find out is a rusty bullet and gives Thomas a horrible infection. After the Gladers fail to heal him, he's really getting very sick, Wicked comes down and gets him in this machine called a Berg. And we do see the Berg later on, where Wicked de descends upon the right arm. Mm -hmm. That same machine they use to come in and collect him. He's taken to, we guess, the Wicked Compound alone. He's really drugged out and sedated. While he's being healed, in a semi-conscious state, he overhears one of the workers' conversations where a woman states that he wasn't supposed to get shot. And the reason they've taken him and are healing him, because this is the first time they've interfered ever in an experiment, was it wasn't part of the plan. It was an unknown variable. 
Then he's taken back to where he came from, to his group, and he explains everything to the Gladers. This just furthers in their mind their thought that he is special and somehow different, and all of them could die. But Thomas, if something happens to him, they'll step in to save him. So there's this weird feeling that, that Thomas is somehow separate and different from the rest of the group. But we all knew that. We always knew that. It also begs the question, though, what is going on with these experiments, that they really need these answers based on the trials they're being put through, but it has to go somewhat according to plan. If they're mm-hmm. willing to step in in a situation like this, you know, a rusty bullet wasn't supposed to be part of that. Anyhow, back to the movie, the group eventually arrives at the right arms location, where other innocent survivors are present. They're greeted by Vince, who leads the right arm. He's in charge of deciding whether they can stay or not. As Brenda's infection gets worse, Vince threatens to shoot her, only to be stopped by this woman, Mary Cooper, a former wicked scientist who reveals that Thomas was their informant. As Mary stops Brenda's infection using an enzyme cure, Mary explains that the enzyme can only be harvested from an immune's body, not manufactured, and the arguments over the method of manufacturing the cure are what led to Mary's departure from Wicked because she really disagreed with Ava about how they were operating this whole thing. This tells us a lot more about the fact that these experiments were all meant to try to find a cure. And so far, they haven't done so. This woman, Mary, seems like she was in it, Wicked, when it was a good thing and their motives were pure to try to help everybody. It's alluding to the fact that now... Even though they haven't been able to find it, people like Ava still want to round up the immunes, probably so they can harvest the enzymes and keep themselves alive. And mm-hmm. we're learning that it's not just a one-shot deal. They have to be harvested from forever to keep the infected people alive. And maybe that was the whole purpose, round up as many immunes as we can to keep ourselves alive. Right. And they'll say it's still noble because they have to be kept alive while they look for the cure. I do. I think they truly do feel like they're not bad guys, especially Ava. Mm. But what what is she willing to risk? Like any any uh, means justify the end? Yes, for her. And Jansen, of course, he feels like he's a good guy, but he's he's just a soldier. Mm-hmm. Essentially, he just does his duty. I uh, I don't like. There's got to be a better way than just to hang them up like machines and just suck mana from them. Yeah, or put them into experiments where they they die. Plenty of these kids have died in the first two trials. Oh, yeah. Let me ask you about this. What does the experiments have to do with anything if all they're trying to get from them is their blood or whatever this shit Well, they still are looking for a cure, and they will explain more in the third book and movie how all these experiments play into finding a cure. We're going to learn a lot more about that. A lot of questions will be answered. Um, For now, though, you can see it's clearly been divided. People who are still at Wicked and will do anything to try to find it and people who are now involved in this group called The Right Arm, led by Mary and Vince, and they believe that they've taken it too far. And like you say, there has to be a more humane way and that lives do matter and it's not okay to just do anything to these kids. And Thomas is coming to that same realization where we're having that same split between Thomas and Teresa where Teresa is on the wicked side and agreeing with that agreeing with yep. that and Thomas is on the right arm side essentially now uh, again with this movie I saw it from a mile away you know they were doing something to her she was hooked up she was separated from everybody else she wakes up and she's different then the whole movie she's different from everybody else mm. she's quieter she has these looks on her face like uh, either confused or contentious or just um she looks at thomas in disdain often yeah mm-hmm. and i knew she'd be up to something and s- as soon as i saw her on top of that cliff just standing there i was like she called somebody you knew that yeah oh wow i knew she called somebody i didn't think they were playing it as strong as they should have the way they did in the books well i thought no i thought it was too strong okay and i you know i didn't know how she called them i thought maybe the thing on her neck the reason why it was darker mm. was because it was like turned on and it was actually a tracking system, and they knew where she was the whole time. <laughs> Hence, so therefore, they knew where Thomas and everybody else was. Yeah. And they were just using Thomas. Maybe, like you said earlier, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe they did let him go on purpose to find the right hand, mm. right arm, whatever the yep. fuck. Yeah. And uh, maybe it was a tracking system. But regardless, 
two things. One, the actress, she grew up. She's not as hot as she was in the first one. <laughs> yeah. And even in the first one, she I wasn't didn't, hot yeah, enough. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think. And I don't, I don't think she's playing the character right either. Forget about her look. She, she has just no personality. She doesn't fit it right. I didn't feel bad. Shouldn't it have been better if we really liked her and we felt remorse? We felt yes. like mirroring what Thomas feels? Yes. They should have played up her character so that we really felt something <laughs> well this is yeah this is the character development they're talking about missing here and even with newt newt's character was really fleshed out a lot better in the second book and we hardly even have anything at all with him in this second movie and this actor we know him from game of thrones as well yes. we know he has <laughs> the chops for it oh yeah for sure what's his name in game of thrones jojen reed jojen is he still alive because we had a whole season without him um, no, he was the one that got killed by those walkers. Oh, that's right. When they got to the heart tree. Yep. Yeah, he's a really good actor, though. And, I, and I'm not, again, I'm not sure why they haven't played that up. We got a little bit more of Minho, but we already liked him from yeah, the first. Yeah, I, I still like him. The first movie. We're left with him captured. But the, all these new introductions to characters, which is good. I really liked it. But what it did, though, was it kind of pushed back the characters we know already. Frypan, he hardly, what did he have, like four lines? Yeah. Like the characters we already knew and were already invested in, they didn't play off of our investment. Yeah, Newt. He yeah. was the big one there. And Newt. They could have had them be more of a, uh, a dominant role in this. Yeah, and they definitely did play that bigger role in the books. I did like what they did with Thomas, though. In the first one, Thomas acted as the bridge between us and the characters because mm -hmm. through him, we learned what was going on where he was, what this whole thing was. And now in this one, he just, he quickly grows into a leader that we knew he could be. Yeah. And we start to learn a background of him when he was a baby. Not a baby, but a child. Oh, yeah. When like, his mother dropped him off at Wicked. Yep. Yeah. So we learned in the first one that he was on the computers watching the kids. Mm -hmm. And now we're starting to learn why he ended up going into the maze. And it's, it was his decision. Yeah, and him and Teresa apparently agreed on that at one point in time when he knew everything and they decided to go in there together for some reason. But since their memories were wiped, um, he has developed a new outlook on things and he can't believe that he ever did that. He's against that now where she is still for it. And Well, we're actually learning that he was against it to begin with. He just forgot he was against it. Uh, somewhat, but he did agree with her on certain things and they did place themselves in that maze because they had a common vision of what they wanted to do with it. But didn't we learn he was speaking to that woman, the head of the right hand, right arm? Remember, she's like, Thomas, you don't remember, but we, you reached out to me. Yeah, it'll be explained better later. There was some resistance, but him and Teresa did agree on certain things that they wanted to, to accomplish with Wicked. So the end of the movie, we see, as you said, that evening, Teresa tells Wicked of their location, believing that the motivations are good, and this leads to an ambush by Wicked. The troops capture survivors for further experimentation, including Minho, by the way. That was really rough when they got him on board at the last minute. Yeah. See, I had a, I had a uh, physical or, yeah, I had a physical and emotional reaction when he was taken. Mm. I think everyone was upset, and that didn't happen that way in the books. And Jansen shoots Mary, which I was surprised of. They introduced her character just to be shot like that. Especially because she's a big-time actor. Yeah. Or used to be, at least. Yeah. Definitely. So with only a fraction of survivors left at the location, Thomas plans an infiltration into Wicked. And the book ends with him determined to take them down and save his friends and civilization and the others standing with him. The book or the movie? I'm sorry, the movie. I I'll tell you how the book ends, which again, I think is better. I'm very biased in these situations. Instead of a showdown with Wicked, Group B finally arrives to join Group A before they get to the safe haven. Remember, there's no right arm in the book, so they're only trying to get to the safe haven. When Group B arrives and joins up with them, Teresa is now their leader, the leader of the girls group, Group B. They take Thomas captive and march him up through the mountains, tied up. She's acting crazy and mean, telling the group how horrible Thomas always was, but they begin to see that he's actually a good guy, and they're second questioning what's going on with Teresa and her motives. They say they've just been following Wicked's orders to bring him to the safe haven and that everything will be okay if they do so. But before they can get there, Teresa lures Thomas away 
to tell him the truth, quote unquote. He thinks they are going to reconcile, but when they start talking, he finds Eris there. And the two of them start telling Thomas how they have had a relationship all along and that Teresa actually loves Eris and they've been communicating and they've just been using Thomas this whole time. Needless to say, he feels very betrayed. And at this very moment, they lead him into a gas chamber where he puts up one last fight before passing out. When he wakes up, she apologizes and she said she faked all of this because Wicked told her to do it. It was the only way to keep him safe, but he still doesn't trust her. They run to catch up with the other group and try to make it to the safe haven on time before the time runs out. When they get to this place, they fight one last battle with these griever-like creatures. They're called bulb monsters. And they're robotic creatures created by Wicked to attack them. There's this last showdown and some of the kids die, but finally a berg comes and the ones that are still alive get away on a berg. Okay. And they're taken to yet another location and told them they really, really are safe this time. They're done with the lies. They're done with the experiments. They're going to finally tell them the truth. And they get them fed and cleaned up and tell them that everything's going to be explained in the morning. But the book ends with Thomas waking up alone in a white padded room. And Teresa speaking one more time telepathically to him to tell him things are about to get bad. <laughs> Uh, again, more exciting. But, uh, <laughs> you know, with all these creatures that Wicked is able to make, why don't they use these monsters to fight the cranks? You know, they got the big spider mm. things. They can fuck up the cranks. I guess if what they're saying is true, they are still trying to save humanity. Okay. Um, I really stopped buying that somewhere through the second book because Thomas grows to doubt them so much and distrust them that we as the reader kind of adopt his point of view mm -hmm. and that they're really just out to save themselves and they could give, give a shit less about the rest of humanity. Um, but like you say, if that was the case and they don't really care about them, then why wouldn't they just attack them with these creatures? So maybe they do. I wonder. Maybe and you know, do. what happened to the kids that stayed in the maze? In the first one. We have to believe that they died, I guess. From what? That it was part of the experiment, or maybe if they were immune, they were just rounded up to be harvested as soon uh, as maybe. that ended. Yeah. Hmm. But I think a showdown with bulb monsters would have been very cool. I think the ultimate betrayal of Teresa to Thomas would have been a, a nice character um, arc to see with them. Yeah. So they basically just simplified the whole... It was just wicked. Wicked is yeah. bad. A and again, that happens primarily in the third book. So they shot down all of the really great things that happened in book two to pull from book three with the simplest of motives. And now what are they going to do for the movie three? I mean, we've had enough battles with wicked for it's crying probably, out loud. It's probably just going to be an ending battle. That's not, I mean, I thought this was so much more interesting. The environment, the cranks, the creatures they go up against each other. Those things were really cool. And yeah. I really liked the ending of Thomas waking up in a padded room. Wicked is good. <laughs> so I guess here's where we can give our rating for the movie. All right. So what we're going to do, we figured since we're uh, going to be watching movies and TV shows, that we would create a rating system. And it's going to change. It's always going to be a 10-point scale. Mm -hmm. So you'll have a measurement to go by from show to show or movie to movie, but we are going to change what the 10 points stand for. For Maze Runner, we're going to go by cranks. So 10 cranks would be a perfect movie. Hmm. I see what you're saying. So in other words, if we were going to rate Game of Thrones, it would be 10 walkers. 10 walkers or 10 direwolves. Yep. You know, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. Perfect. Okay, well then, I guess out of 10 cranks, I would give the Scorch Trials seven cranks. I'm going to grade them six cranks. Because again, I did enjoy the visuals. It, it did make an action movie. Essentially, that's all it was. Mm. One theme and then action just put in there and a lot of visuals. Yeah. 
I could see that. And to be honest with you, if I wasn't able to remove myself, if I had read the books, I probably would have given it five at best. Mm -hmm. But at some point I had to tell myself, forget that you read the books and just watch this as a movie. And so just taking it as a movie, a separate entity, I would give it seven. You know, I think this is one of the movies, if I watch again, I may like it even more. Mm. And it, it seems like you're right on with the audience score, right? Yeah, looking at Rotten Tomatoes. You've already discussed what Rotten Tomatoes, the tomato meter was, which was 50%. Mm -hmm. But uh, the audience score was 66% liked it. So the average rating was 3.6 to 5. Um, user ratings. Oh, uh, 3.6 out of 5, right. Oh. So very similar to ours. 3.6 out of 5. See, I always thought 5 was not enough to grade movies because there's <laughs> got to be more in between. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I like our 10 point. I'll give you my pros. It's a great spectacle. Mm -hmm. Solid performances. The acting was great. Well, they don't control. Teresa. Yeah, and they don't control how their characters were written. So the way they the acted. actual acting. I never said, mm -hmm. I never thought like, oh, I can just see them acting. Yep. And for child actors, you know, you don't get that often. They're amazing. Yeah. Action packed and great visuals. Yep. Cons, it felt a little too long. I was actually bored toward like the latter half of it when there was a lot of talking. I knew they had to get spell some things out, but I knew the storyline already. There wasn't much to spell out because it was just, again, one story. See, I didn't feel that way, but until they reached the right arm, and then I would agree with you. Some of the stuff with the right arm just fell off, and I think bringing it in too early was the big reasoning for that. They should not have touched that until the third third movie. It didn't make sense. They... They weren't explaining things that should have been explained by this point, but they were introducing things that were further along mm -hmm. in the storyline. And I could see that leaving the viewer being like, uh, okay, we've gotten to this point, but you still haven't really told us what the flare is and how we got here. And was this an experiment? Um, I think it was a bad mishmash of things together. Um, Another issue I had was that there was no surprises. When uh, Thomas wakes up in the helicopter and they're walked in, or kind of like ran in because mm -hmm. of the, they're fighting the cranks. And then you first meet A.D. Jansen. Oh, the rat man. You know, I was like, oh, awesome. I love this guy. But I knew he was up to no good. Mm. The environment se seemed weird. And I knew the whole time this is not right. This is wicked. Mm. There's no way this isn't wicked. Yeah. If there was a better way to make it where we thought they were fa finally safe. Yeah, like in the books. You know. That was exactly that in the books. I, you know. And you and all people who watch this movie, all viewers, if you felt that way but you haven't read the books yet, I strongly encourage you to go back to the source material because I remember thinking going into this movie series that out of all of the books you talked about with the dystopian societies and the young people in them, that this was the best on paper. Mm. I mean, the original one went back to the Giver series, which was amazing. That was the first one to ever be done like this. But the modern ones, The Hunger Games, Divergent, this was the best one on paper. It really was thrilling to read. It incorporated some other scientific things and stuff that we didn't have in the other books. So if you're left feeling a little lacking, now is a great time to go back and check those things out. And speaking of that, let me just go through the James Dashner books for you. In this Maze Runner series, we had the first book was Maze Runner. The second was The Scorch Trials. The third was The Death Cure. And the fourth, which was the original prequel, was The Kill Order. They also have available out there a movie tie-in edition of a book. And an Inside the Maze, a guide to the Glead series. So there's a lot of stuff out there to read. For the next one, The Death Cure, the third book in the series... In March, it was confirmed that Nolan, who co-wrote the first and second film, has been set to adapt the third book. Ball will return to direct the third film and says it won't be split into two films. Filming is set to begin in February and scheduled for release of a movie in 2017. If you do read the Maze Runner books and you really like them, as I did, I, you know, I've read all of them. I'm eager for the next prequel to come out so I can read that too. But in the meantime, James Dashner has some other books that actually looked really intriguing. You can check out his website for those. The first one was called the Mortality Doctrine series. It was three books, The Eye of Mind, The Rule of Thoughts, The Game of Lives, uh, as well as The Gunner Scale, a 30-page e-short. 
Just to whet your appetite a little bit, The Eye of Mind, the first novel, is set in a world of hyper-advanced technology, cyber-terrorists, and gaming beyond your wildest dreams, and your worst nightmares. Michael is a gamer, and like most gamers, he spends more time on the VertNet than in actual world. The VertNet offers total mind and body immersion, and the more hacking skills you have, the more fun. Why bother following the rules? But some rules are made for a reason. Some technology is too dangerous to fool with, and one gamer has been doing exactly that with murderous results. That was the description on the James Dashner website. You can read more and buy any of that those sounds cool. books on there. Yeah, and there's a few others. The Infinity Ring, uh, only one book out for that so far. The 13th Reality, which is a four-book series. That looked really amazing as well. It was about if every time you made a significant choice in your life and it had other options, if all those realities actually existed out there in alternate realities of your world. That sounded very cool. And finally, the Jimmy Fincher saga, four-book series. It looks like it's geared towards maybe a little bit of a younger audience. But you could just see his amazing mind at work in all these different avenues of the books that he writes. Cool. Maybe I'll read it. (laughs) (laughs) You got to start with the Maze Runner series. You'll be, you will all be quite impressed with, you know, it's always the case that very rarely is the movie ever better than the book. The source material is just what you really got to look at there. It's it's unparalleled. No, definitely. That, I know that feeling from other books that I've read. Mm Mm-hmm. Right now I'm reading a graphic novel, Lock and Key, and I'm loving it. (laughs) If you did like the movie and you like everything that's going on with this world that's being created of the Maze Trials, there is a lot of different fan websites out there. Um, There's the James Dashner website for the books, but also ones for the movies. On one of them, we found this map of the world of the Scorch Trials. And I thought that was kind of a cool visual to show you what you're actually seeing in this movie and uh, where all the locations are. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. It kind of puts it in perspective for you. Where the maze is, uh, the wicked compound, the mall, yeah, city the ruins. city being kind of central to the whole world. Oh yeah, and then let's see, it's too small on my screen. Yeah, the Crankland. Ma- yeah, the maze and the compound are north of the city, and south of that is Crankland. That's where all the cranks live, where they were wandering through those uh, tunnels, I guess. And the criminal refugee. Uh, yeah, that's where they met Brenda and Jorge. And then all the way oh, south, right. you've got the right arm, and finally below that, the safe haven. Safe haven. I wonder what that is. That's where they were trying to get to this whole time. Um, and in the books, when they told them they had to make it there and then everything would be okay, it was you know just beyond those mountains. But we don't know what it actually is. Probably another form of wicked. It's not actually safe. <laughs> well, that would be terrible. But I am intrigued of how this all happened. So maybe they'll make a movie about the prequel. Yeah, like we said, The Fever Code might not be feasible, but that is coming out as a book in 2016. I can't wait to read it. If they do come out with the third one, The Death Cure, and it does well, maybe we'll get The Kill Order as the prequel with a whole new cast and set of characters. That could be very interesting. Sweet. All right, so that was Maze Runner, Scorch Trials. We're going to come out within a week or two. We're going to do a review for Fear the Walking Dead. Then hopefully we'll get a regular CKC podcast in there sometime. And then we're also going to start doing The Walking Dead this next upcoming season. Yeah, probably just a couple for Fear the Walking Dead. Not necessarily every episode. Uh, We're not entirely loving it. But I think we will do it that way when regular Walking Dead comes back on. Definitely. And hopefully we'll get Ryan on and we'll get uh, some other guests. If you guys watched maze runner and you had your own thoughts if you don't agree with us and you love the movie please let us know and give us reasons why um and if you do agree with us also please uh, let us know how smart we are <laughs> <laughs> so thanks again for listening and until next time this round's on me this round is on me Try again.